When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Utabia Podcast. I actually had to ask what number of episode it was because I'm losing count. Uh, thank you for letting me know, Rory. Yeah, no problem. Episode 8, we've got Newcastle this week. Fill people in what's just going on. General stuff, people should know what's happening by now. They're probably more prepared than we are. If we start things off like we have done for the past couple of episodes, though... Beer 52 offer, still there, still going to be here for a while. Um, craft beer is a craze. Beer52.com is giving you curated beer from places you wouldn't usually buy beer from. Uh, mystery beers for free. All you do is pay for shipping. Rory, you've actually done this offer rather than me going through this stuff. Your crate is arriving today. Yeah, yeah. I ordered one of the, the box crates of eight mystery beers. It's arriving today. Going to the, the I'm going to Edgebaston on Friday, so that'll be my uh, my pre drinks on the train on the way up. So yeah, looking forward to it. You and your dad sorted on whatever is given to you. You only paid five ninety five for a case that normally costs twenty four, so it's not yeah, absolutely not too shabby. If you can afford it, <laughs> being paid the way we are, then <laughs> other people yeah, exactly. don't uh, don't have an issue. The offer code that you use is Huddersfield. Uh, remember beer52.com is where to go. They're small batch craft beers from the one we got sent to the office and still not drunken for some reason is from Norway. Um, I'm sure we, once we've beaten Newcastle, we'll crack them up. But no, yeah. we, we agreed once Huddersfield are mathematically safe, we'll come on and make I think, our... I think we said once Europe is, is secure <laughs> for next season, isn't it? We'll, we'll come on and we'll make our way through them on air as we record the podcast, which I'm sure the editor will be dis- delighted to, to hear is the plan. But, you know... Moving on though, news, if we get the yeah, I don't think out of the way nice and early, doesn't appear to have really changed. No, we, there was rumours last week that he'd failed a medical and there was a back issue, uh, but uh, Paul Heckingbottom's still saying that the deal, as far as he knows, is still going ahead. Um, he was left out the the Barnsley team um, who played earlier this week. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's just going to rumble on for a bit longer. Um, and then we're going to get a bit more of a definitive answer from David Wagner on Friday to see where where that deal stands. Um, but yeah, it's it's there always seems to be one of these sort of deals every every season. So uh, no, hopefully I think it looks a good player. So hopefully they can get it done. If it's a, a failed medical, then they're going to have to look elsewhere for a right back. It's a really strange situation purely because the fact that there are so many rumours, you'd think that somebody would want to either point people in the right direction and say, yeah, that is the case, we're working on this, or, you know, put a fan to the flames and sort of, not a fan to the flames because that makes it worse, put water on it and douse it, and get rid of it altogether, get rid of the right-back situation altogether and sort of let us know what is actually going on because this period of uncertainty really isn't helping anyone. Barnsley don't seem too amused by it. 
Town don't seem to want to speak on it. Yadam, I'm sure, probably is frustrated by it. Yeah, and I know exactly what you mean. And the fans are going to get annoyed by it because it's just it just seems to be rumbling on, and you just want that player through the door, don't you, as a fan? So, no, I think hopefully we'll we'll get an answer this week on it, uh, whether it be one way or the other. Personally, I think it probably will happen. The deal just because. You know, I don't. I don't think he can go back to Barnsley now, from what he said. And and you know, if if there was a, a medical which he failed because of a back issue, it would. You know, a back issue is something that. You know, it might be an injury or something, but you know, you shouldn't really. He might not be fully fit, but he shouldn't fail a medical because of a, a twinge back or something like that. If it's something more serious, then maybe. But no, I personally, I would expect the deal to go through. Uh, but we'll see this week. Is it concerning at all? It's interesting you you touch on his probable inability of going back and playing for Barnsley again. He's done a bit of a Danny Rose. Um, is that a concern for you at all? Say he does come to Huddersfield, he does play really well, and there are rumours of interest, like, for example, the £10 million that was apparently on the table for Phil Billing. If that's on the table from a slightly more established Premier League side than Huddersfield for Yardam in a year or two, are you worried that he may try and pull the same tricks on us and do that sort of a thing? Um, he might do. He might do. You know, I think nowadays the, there's so much, you know, the earnest is, and, and the, the power is with the player now, so they can kind of force through a transfer if they want to. But for me, Dean Hoyle doesn't take any anything. <laughs> um, so, and I, I think as soon as he does that, you get rid. Um but town won't be; they won't sell for, you know, whatever Tuppence. anything less. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he might do it, but I think Dean Hoyle's one of those chairmen who won't who won't take any stick, and and he'll just you know get the business done if not. And you expect sort of David Wagner and David Wagner to get in an adequate replacement if it does happen. It's an interesting sort of situation for Wagner to be in because he'll know that this is something he's going to be asked about. I think the press conference this week's on Friday, so tomorrow. It's one of those situations where I imagine he probably doesn't want to be in that position of having to go back on what he said last week or expand on it again because he, without saying it explicitly, he pretty much confirmed the rumours that were going around about the medical and yeah, and being days away from arriving. I mean, he explicitly said that Cavara was off the table, which all but confirmed the other deal. He probably in a difficult position, having to go back and answer those same sets of questions again. It's, I wouldn't say it's a difficult position because all you can do as a manager is is say what's happened. You know, it looked last week like the deal was going to be on. It might not be on this week. That's just how football works. That's how transfers work nowadays. So, although. You know, we get sick of talking about it. David Wagner probably gets sick of talking about it as well because he would rather just get any deals done and dusted. But, you know, if there's a hiccup in it, you've just got to front up and say, this is what happened. And then we move on. We either, and then, you know, Yadam joins or he doesn't join. So, yeah, it, can, it might be frustrating talking about the same thing, but it's it's something that you need to do as a manager and you need to let the fans know more than anyone what's going on. If we turn our attention to Sunday and Newcastle, um, there don't seem to be any fresh injury concerns after the Palace game for town. Everyone seems to have got through that scot-free. The existing injuries are still there, so Hogg and Stankovic and uh, Craney all and still, Wells and well. Wells all still injured. But Newcastle seems to have had 
plenty after the Newcastle game. Lejeune's out, Dummett's out. Um, Shelby got himself sent off, which is a John Joe Shelby thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in a far weaker position than Town are. And even if they were fully fit, you'd say, having lost that game, that, that Town have got the upper hand going into this one. Yeah, I think Town started last last week you know, exceptionally well against Crystal Palace. Their performance was was dominant. Newcastle were in a different position last week in that they were playing Tottenham and it was always going to be a much more defensive display. And to be honest, I thought they looked pretty decent. You know, nil-nil at half-time against Tottenham. Any Newcastle fan would have taken that. But then three minutes into the second half and Shelby gets himself sent off and then it's back to the wall and, you know, he's got a ban now. So, no, it's... it's I wouldn't... I, I expect... Huddersfield to at least get a point out of this week. Um, I think Newcastle will come and they'll play like they did at the Johnson Stadium last last year. Um, but you know, with Shelby, everything goes through him, so he's going to be a big miss. And also the centre backs, Kieran Clark had an outstanding season for Newcastle last season, but Chancellor Mbemba, who's probably likely to start at centre back, didn't really play last year. Came on in the second half. Uh, against Tottenham and played all right, but they conceded twice. So, you know, I think this is from last week, from Town winning and Newcastle losing and the injuries to Newcastle and the sendings off, Town are in a perfect position to go and get six points from their opening two games. It was a good time to play Crystal Palace and in that same regard, it's probably Mm -hmm. a good time to play Newcastle as well. Speaking more on that, we rang up our colleague in Newcastle, Lee Ryder from The Chronicle, to give us a bit of an inside line on, on how the club are shaping up at the moment and what their attitude is like going into Sunday's game. Lee Ryder of The Newcastle Chronicle, welcome to Uta Beer Podcast. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. Uh, obviously, Newcastle, Huddersfield this weekend. Um, we're more aware of each other than we will be other Premier League sides, given we played each other twice last season in the Championship as well. If we start in the Championship, what did you make of both sides' games against each other last year? Because we both won our away legs, effectively. Yeah, I remember the game at St James's Park, and for me that game was a bit of a, a wake-up call for Newcastle after they'd been relegated. I mean, they were unlucky at Fulham, but I think that game showed that every team coming at St James's Park was going to go there to try and cause an upset and that's exactly what Huddersfield did you know if you'd asked me that night after the game did I think Huddersfield would you know keep keep the pace in that division I probably would have said no uh, but they proved to be the surprise package to a lot of people and including myself uh, and then just you know when you go back to the game in March just when you thought you'd kind of Bended off the challenge and got rid of Huddersfield. They were still sort of nipping at Newcastle's ankles right until, you know, the very end. And, you know, Newcastle just sort of scraped to automatic promotion in the last three games. And then, obviously, last kick of the game in the championship to to win the title. So, yeah, we know Huddersfield very well. And uh, it's going to be another tough game on Sunday. What did you make of the the tactics in both of those games? Because it's something that interests me quite a lot, um, especially with Wagner, because he is one of the the more tactically interesting managers in the Championship last season especially. is uh, It's a bit more uh, even in the Premier League, so to speak. In the away leg, it, it seemed as if Huddersfield wanted to establish themselves and, and push themselves into the game much more than Newcastle did when they came to the John Smiths. Is that fair to say? I think, yeah, when if I'm right in thinking the 3-1 game at Huddersfield, I think 
Newcastle went there and they fully expected the high press from Huddersfield, which is pretty much what they did. But Newcastle went there to absorb the pressure and try and hit Huddersfield on the break, which they managed to do successfully, get an important win. And perhaps that's what we could see uh, at the weekend as well. You know, the, um, Great win for Huddersfield at Palace and a disappointing home defeat for Newcastle. Not so much of a shock playing against a good Tottenham side and all the circumstances that went with it with Shelby being sent off. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, another um, day where Rafa Benitez's tactical nous comes into it and he tries to put out a game plan that's going to uh, unsettle Huddersfield. What's the, the mood like uh, in the North East at present? Because... We've seen that Mike Ashley interview on Sky, which has obviously gone down like a, a lead balloon, as, as most of his public appearances do. There's real concerns with the transfer market. I mean, you've got Yossel in on loan today, but many feel that's not enough. Is there still some uncertainty and a bit of negativity surrounding the club at present, given what's gone on this summer? I think what you get at Newcastle is... Everyone loves football up here and everyone's always enthusiastic about football and they care a lot about the team. So at the minute, the big cause for concern is are Newcastle have the bought in enough quality uh, to survive in the Premier League? I think at the minute, it's pretty clear for everybody to see that you know they've gone down the road of sort of budget signings and they haven't really yeah. broke the bank. Um and I think that's that's definitely something that concerns the supporters. In terms of the mood, I would say a little bit, little bit of apprehension going into, you know, the long season ahead. And you know, I've seen the players Huddersfield have signed and done very well on at the weekend. So, and Brighton have signed players as well. So it's you know, out of the out of the three promoted clubs, perhaps you would have expected Newcastle to to go for a big marquee signing and really use the stadium and the fan base to draw a big name towards the club but the the truth of the matter is is that they just aren't prepared to pay the big bucks um they can't get anywhere near the sort of 120,000 a week demands of some of the big names that have been available this summer you know Sandro Ramirez who went to Everton for example he was one that Rafa wanted but was quickly told you know he couldn't they wouldn't pay him that type of money 120,000 a week so I don't think that's unreasonable. Tottenham don't pay people that much. Well, I think to to bring someone to Newcastle, they needed a marquee signing, I think, this summer. They needed someone who was really going to... What we had after that Barnsley game when we won the title was, there was a lot of momentum and excitement in the city. And as the trans yes. transfer window's gone on, it's basically like that's ebbed away a little bit. As I say, there's always enthusiasm for football in Newcastle. But, they, you know, they had something going and they didn't really build on it as a club and as a board. And that's that's got to be the core, the big cause for concern this, this summer. Is it something that's born out of the ownership then? Because it's an, an ownership that is one of the most contested and divisive in the country, I think it's fair to say. It's, it's not gone as badly as, as some other regimes in the country, but it's... Given the way the the club are managed and and the way money is dealt with and it's it's more about profit than it is about sporting success. I think that's that's fair to say. I think the owner may have said that in as many words himself. 
Is that something that's currently holding a club the size of Newcastle back? I think the way I look at it is, before Mike Ashley come to the club, you had Freddie Shepard in charge. And while he wasn't popular with everybody, he wasn't everyone's sort of cup of tea, as I say, I think what he did was he realised when there needed to be a big change, he would bring in a big-name manager when he felt there needed to be big-name players to go around the likes of Alan Shearer, Nobby Solano, Shea Given, he'd go out and try and get them people and he would he would break the bank and he would look for the best way of making them funds available. And he thought pretty much like uh, a supporter would uh, because he was a supporter. But Mike Ashley's been a little bit more... It's It's been a frustrating thing because when Mike Ashley come in, I think everybody thought, you know, he's going to be... He was going to think like a supporter as well, and he had the billionaire sort of backing to go with it, but it hasn't really worked out like that. I think, I mean, it's funny actually because a lot of people who either don't know much about football or don't know much about Newcastle come up and they always say, uh, you know, Mike Ashley, he's a massive Newcastle fan because they've seen pictures of him in the shirt, but that's not the case. We're being run, run we're being run like a business, and uh, that's ultimately caused a lot of frustration over the 10 years Mike Ashley's been here. Yeah, it's, it's been been a long stretch. That's obviously something Huddersfield luckily aren't in the position of at present. The, the club has obviously mismanaged in the past. The administration was an issue for the club. But since Dean Hoyle's tenure, that's one of the most celebrated things here, which is sort of why... You know, it's almost chalk and cheese. The mood at the two clubs, the way they're they're handled, and sort of the atmosphere surrounding them. I think that that could feed into the game at the weekend because I think the two managers, tactically speaking, as well, have almost opposite ideologies when it comes to how the game should be played. I'm will admit that I'm not the world's biggest Rafael Benitez fan. Uh, purely because I'm I'm a Tottenham supporter and he's been consistently linked with our club and his brand of football just isn't something that I would see fell in line with the the brand of football that the club is known for playing. And the reason I say that is David Wagner goes into every single match looking to win no matter the opposition. And I think Rafa Benitez's primary objective whenever he takes the field or his side does is not to lose. Is that a fair assumption, or am I being too harsh? No, I think to be honest, Rafa will try and play the way he sees fit of getting a result. So he won't probably think anything of going to Huddersfield. I mean, yes, Newcastle probably need the three points, but if they go there and they shut Huddersfield down and they get a point and they get something on the board, then I think you know he won't lose too much sleep over that. I think he'll be going there with a game plan to try and sneak uh, a narrow win or try and play some kind of counter-attack. But he won't worry about uh, what people want in terms of style of football. And I think for once with the Newcastle fans, they they basically have bought into his philosophy in terms of let's just get some results, let's get the club back to where, where it was. You know, in the past we've had people like Sam, a lot has changed in 10 years as for Newcastle fans. Uh, you know, when we first got Sam Allardyce in charge, he turned up and he was playing this kind of really ugly, you know, direct, long ball, whatever you want to call it. And that just did not go sit well with the Newcastle fans and they protested and they got, they got him out. We got Keegan in and everyone thought it was going to be, you know, all sweetness and light and it didn't prove to be that way. Um, so... 
with Rafa coming in, you know, many managers later, I think they've accepted that to have success, then they're going to have to compromise uh, the way the team plays. As nice as it is to see, you know, them play like a nice brand of football, yeah. sometimes you've just got to accept that, you know, that might not be the case. We we spoke about um, the Newcastle team yesterday because uh, I was writing the tactical preview for the paper and the website. But if we run through it now, you said to me it's likely to be a, a 4-1-4-1 with Mankio at right back, Lascelles and Mbemba in the middle and Kieran Clark at left back. Clark's probably the most informed central defender. Is it a concern that he's having to be shifted out of position because you don't have cover for Paul Dummett at left-back, who, am I right in thinking Paul Dummett's not even a natural left-back himself? Um, no, he is. He's, a natural, he's naturally left-footed. He just um, looks like a centre-back. Um, yeah, he can play centre-back as well, but he's, he's played left-back since he was a boy, basically. So okay. That, that is his natural fit. Uh, he's probably... Ask, mention Paul Dummett's name... Uh, in a Newcastle pub and things could go one way or the other. Some people some, <laughs> pe- some people like him, some people hate him, and he probably attracts a lot of uh, unnecessary um, abuse on Twitter. But I think for Rafa, he's probably, when he's been fit, he's played nearly every game since Rafa's been here. Same for McLaren, same for Pardew. For the managers like him. So to... To fill that sort of void, they're going to have to like probably put someone or position. I think it might well be Kieran Clark. So, and they haven't really got much choice to do much else in the middle either, because with Lejeune being out for a number of weeks, that's going to cause a problem there. So Newcastle going to this already second game of the season. They go in there really unsettled and short-handed and without. John Joe Shelby, who's suspended, so you know it's probably a good time to play Newcastle in the in the middle of the park. You another band of four: Richie on the right, Hayden and Marino making his debut in the middle, more than likely, and then a, a toss up between Atsu and Jacob Murphy, Murphy on the left wing. There's three lads in there who aren't 23 yet, and Matt Richie on the right. One lad making his debut. Um, John Joe Shelby's not there again he's a player that blows hot and cold is perhaps more trouble than he's worth uh, in terms of what he actually does on the field and Newcastle probably they're a better side with him in it given what he can do when he's at his best but given they're likely to want to stay defensively minded in this game and it's more about staying compact and sticking to the game plan Having him out of the side is that going to be a, a, a an advantage in some sort of perverse way? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. You know, it suddenly becomes that it's not all about John Joe Shelby and whether he can turn up and perform on the day. Yeah, knocking fifty yard Hollywood passes every five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So it, it becomes the limelight goes away from him, and then basically it becomes more of a workman-like performance so that could work in Newcastle's favour I know Marino has I've seen him in pre-season I've, I've been every game and Marino's gradually came on a sub in games and when he has come on he's looked really comfortable on the ball um, hasn't made a fuss I think he got thrown in at centre-back in his first game but he just shrugged his shoulders and got on with the job so I think he's going to come in and be a really steady influence then you've obviously got Hayden probably alongside him who's really sharp in the tackle and 
and he, you know, he's a proper, you know, English type midfielder. Really likes to get his sleeves rolled up and get on with it. So that that could be an area where Newcastle need to stay, stay cool. And you know, Shelby not being there, that that might work in the favour. So it's going to be an intriguing game. I think Sky probably got it right in in picking this one. Whether they've done it on the back of last season's results or not, I don't know. But it's definitely going to be one for the neutral to sit back and watch it sort of uh, two tactical battles unfold. Up top, you're going to have Iose Perez tucked in just behind Dwight Gale. So that's probably going to be where the focus of the attack comes from when you do break. It'll be down the wings with Murphy and Atsu or Richie on the right and those two in more advanced positions. It's a, a tactic that worked well in the 3-1 the in March um, and probably something that Benitez is going to try and repeat to the best of his abilities. Uh, how well do you see Newcastle applying themselves on the weekend? Because this is a, a Huddersfield side in the ascendancy with the new players. They've really complemented what they were doing last year. So in a manner that really the other promoter teams don't and even teams like Crystal Palace don't there's a, a continuity and a feeling of sort of goodwill and momentum at the club that other people seem to be without at present yeah I think what Huddersfield remind me of I mean I watched the, all the highlights of the weekend and seen all the Huddersfield fans down at Sellers Park at the minute they're living they're living like a dream at the moment uh, getting in the Premier League when Newcastle got promoted way back in 1993, it was pretty similar up here in Newcastle. It was like it was all new. It was all a bit of a novelty, um, and the fans were really embracing it. And that does spread around the club. So I think that's going to be a big factor at the weekend in terms of the Huddersfield fans are going to be absolutely jumping for this first Premier League game in their own stadium, hosting one of the. I think we can call ourselves one of the bigger names. I hope that doesn't sound too arrogant, but uh, <laughs> I think we can call ourselves one of the bigger names in football. Um, and it's it's a day that you know it's set up for Huddersfield to win, and you know one that they could possibly you know be talking about for years, years and years to come. So it's going to be a hard game at the weekend, no doubt about it. What if I was to press you for a, a score line and a prediction? What would you <laughs> put your neck on the line and say? Well, I've actually predicted uh, a narrow win for Newcastle against Tottenham at the weekend, and that, that went well. That well, it was probably going well until Mr. Shelby put his foot where he shouldn't have. <laughs> so it went well for the first hour, and then obviously they just got picked off and got beat two 0 But with eleven men, they might have got that. So with you know again having you know seen them play in pre-season and knowing that Rafa will go there with a game plan. I do think it's going to be a hard game, but I do I can see Newcastle having enough know-how to get something out of the game. So, being a Newcastle man, I'll probably go for a two-one win. That's uh, that's fair enough. I'll obviously back Huddersfield in this one, given uh, <laughs> what I've said to you previously. But we'll speak to you later on down the line when we get the joy of coming up to St James's. Problem at all. Look forward to it. Thanks again to, to Lee for his time. That was insightful as ever. One of the best local news reporters and yeah, absolutely. club reporters yeah. we've got in the country. Um, you're a Newcastle fan, Rory. And <laughs> one of the <laughs> things um, 
we have a bit of a back and forth about between the two of us is that as a Tottenham fan, I have a certain idea of how football should be played. And that, funnily enough, is mirrored in how Huddersfield currently play the game and David Wagner's approach. I have privately and publicly in the past said that I would have no opposition if it ever came to it Mauricio Pochettino to leave Spurs. If David Wagner fancied the job, then I would happily see him take over. I don't wish to be poaching the Huddersfield manager at present, and uh, I don't think that's what I'm doing. I, I'd probably give myself too much credit if I said I could do that, but uh, it's just one of those things you think about when you when you watch different teams. But for you, with Rafa Benitez, he's a manager we discuss and we disagree about quite a lot, which is an interesting talk for us to have, especially on the podcast, because we agree a lot of the time on here, mm-hmm. which isn't a fair elec- <laughs> reflection of our relationship as a whole. If anyone ever sees us bickering in the office, um, they will know that. For me, Benitez and Wagner are almost complete and utter opposites. David Wagner goes into every match wanting to win it, and Rafa Benitez goes into every match trying not to lose it. He will defend and he will play dour football. And he's a man that, when he's been linked to Tottenham in the past, I've been dead against just because that's not a, a style of football I want to see. What's your defence of that? It, it's just got to be his record, hasn't it? He's a winner. And and what he did at Newcastle the season we went down, obviously the damage was done beforehand, um, thanks to Steve McLaren. Um, but yeah he almost kept us up when we were in a terrible terrible way Um, obviously he didn't but he brought us straight back into the championship and last year we didn't Newcastle didn't play great football by any means by any stretch of the imagination we scored a few goals probably because of the quality we had Um, but we went up because of Rafa Benitez and the tactics that that he he put in place for me, as much as watching David Wagner's side, actually, not not David Wagner as such, but the the discussion we had earlier was Pochettino plays great football, but Spurs haven't won anything in the last two three seasons where they have been one of the best teams in the country, and they should have won something. And what I said to you was, I would rather see my team play good football and fail than bad football and win. Yeah, for me, Newcastle haven't won anything since nineteen sixty nine. I would give my left arm to see them lift anything, absolutely anything. I mean, bar the Intertoto Cup in 2007 or whenever that was. But just for me, you can play the worst football in the world, but if you win, you win, and no one can take that away from you. Like Mourinho did at Chelsea, you know, he, he brought in a style of football which was very combative, but he had the quality there to get goals as well, and, and that's where the success came from for, for Mourinho. Um the thing about Huddersfield Town and David Wagner for me is that he plays the style of football which which is exceptionally good to watch but he's also winning and to get promoted in the way that he did in using the style of football that he did at Huddersfield Town with the budget that they have was just absolutely unheard of. Um, so when you say, oh, you know, David Wagner to, to take over Pochettino, I can absolutely see that. Um and to be honest, it, he's 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 won more than Pochettino has at the minute. As much as Pochettino has brought in a way of football which is really really nice to watch, and he's turned Spurs into one of the biggest clubs, one of the best teams in England. There's still not been any silverware. 
So for me, that puts David Wagner sort of, and and looking at looking at the resources that David Wagner has had, that puts him on a par with Pochettino for me. Do you not think though, where style is concerned, and being a fan, there is an element of entertainment where football is involved. We don't watch football. Well, probably we do because it's our jobs, but most people watch football because it's an escape from real mm. life. It's something to do. It's a pastime. It's, it's what you do with your family or your friends. It's somewhere you go because it gives you some sort of joy in, in a manner. Um, but to me, there is a ceiling on the joy I could have watching the style of football Rafa Benitez is known for week in, week out. You can't argue with his trophy cabinet and what he's won. But the manner in which he's won the majority of those things isn't something you would particularly call desirable. There's a reason why the the managers in the world who are most revered and most thought after are the ones who play the prettiest football. There's a reason why most people would rate Pep Guardiola over Jose Mourinho, even though their trophy cabinets are almost neck and neck, and it's because Guardiola's played far more attractive football than Mourinho has. And it's almost, you can, if you scale down that comparison, that's almost what you have between this sort of Wagner, Pochettino and Benitez debate is, is there a right and a wrong way to play the game? I, I completely agree with you that there is a right and a wrong way to play the game, but, no, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a right way and a wrong way to play the game. But if you are a supporter of one team... Say, just as a hypothetical situation, say David Wagner came in to Huddersfield Town and they played great football but they got relegated or they, they stayed in the championship and they were bubbling around sort of 16th to 19th for three seasons or something like that. And then Chris Powell came, comes in after him and plays terrible football but they get promoted. I think the, the fans would rather that. They would rather the promotion and terrible football but for for someone who's not a supporter of that team, they think, oh no, we'd much rather watch David Wagner's Huddersfield Town play. That's just that's what it boils down to for me as a supporter. The joy that I get from seeing Newcastle win a game, it, it might be, you know, one nil against, I don't know, like Watford, and we, Watford could have hammered us. But a one nil win for me gives me much more satisfaction than a one more draw, one one draw. And we've played some really nice stuff. That's just for me. It boils down to results, and you know that sets you up for the week. Then whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood. We talk a lot about ideology as a football club in terms of Huddersfield and on the podcast because it's it's something that David Wagner concentrates a lot on, and and that's fed into my supportership of Spurs as well. When you used to walk into White Hart Lane as it was before she got torn down mm-hmm. um, the first thing you saw on the left hand side of the entrance was a big quote by Danny Blanchflower that says the game is about glory it's about doing things in style with a flourish and about going out and beating the other lot not waiting for them to die of boredom and that's something that defines the club and defines how I want to watch football it's something Perhaps it's naive because in my lifetime, I was born in 1992, Tottenham have won what in that two League Cups in that time? 
it's not great for a, a size of the club we have, but I mean, in the past 10 years, we've come on tremendously. We're building the nicest stadium in the country mm-hmm. and we've got one of the most exciting young teams in the country, which is why I'm not particularly worried about silverware because if you do your best to keep the core of that side together, it will inevitably come. That's my belief, other than I think differently. I would rather that be the situation than there be promise to what is happening and uh, an underlying belief in in what defines us as a club than just playing the type of football that gets results because results is the bottom line more than identity. And it's something that I think David Wagner touches on quite a lot because he will say that he's not changing the way he plays. And one thing that I really enjoy hearing him say, and he says it quite a lot as well, is that if somebody was watching the team in black and white or were just hearing how they played for the first time and didn't recognise the shirt and didn't recognise the badge. They'd want the style of football to be synonymous with Mm. Huddersfield Town because that is more important to him than probably results are. I think that might be a bit of a stretch. I think results are still... Football is a results-based game. Um, and what David Wagner has done is married results with the style of football and the style of football that he's introduced is kind of it's not really been seen that that much in, in English football which is why it's producing results and you know and fair play to him and I, you know I think that's why for me he's one of the best managers in the country at the minute because he's managed to do it he's playing really really good football and they're getting results for a team like Newcastle who are just perennial underachievers <laughs> and th- honestly the worst it, it it being a Newcastle fan is like obviously Huddersfield Town have had a, a pretty rough go of it in like the lower leagues and that kind of stuff but the promise that you get at the start of every season as a Newcastle fan that it's a new dawn and it's going to change and then every season is an underachievement it's just it's just painful so as much as I would love someone like David Wagner to come in and to sort out the club, play great football and get results, I, for me, I just want results at the minute. And if we can change football at the same time, great. If not, then then no. But Benitez, for me, is a great manager because he's tactically astute. And because he changes the way we play from game to game, it makes it harder to play against Newcastle. And if they stay up this season, which I... I I'm very scared that they will not. <laughs> and I think Huddersfield Town will finish. I think Huddersfield Town will beat Newcastle this weekend and they'll finish above them at the end of the season. But if we stay up, it'll be because of Rafa Benitez. And, you know, uh, you're talking about the, the quote on the wall at, at Tottenham. Newcastle's motto is triumphing by brave defence. which is hilarious when you've had defenders like Titus Bramble through the door in in recent seasons Um, the reason I laugh is it's not because it's a bad quote it's just that it couldn't be more diametrically opposed to to what what Tottenham stand for but it's having that triumphing isn't it it's all about the win and you know if you can keep them out you know you're halfway there to to winning so and obviously Newcastle have had the entertainers over the years and and we've had some brilliant football the entertainers didn't win anything but they are one of the most celebrated sides in recent history in Premier League history for definite Mm -hmm. 
and they failed. They were perhaps the most spectacular failure. Yeah, but 12 people, points ahead and United caught them. But people don't mention that first. They eventually get to the, the failure. But what they mention first is how well they played. Yeah. And I'm sure... But at the time, at the t- looking back on it now, nostalgia is, is a strange <laughs> thing. But at the time, if you said to a Newcastle fan, right, the entertainers, they've, they've built this 12-point gap over Man United... Now you're going to win 1-0 if, for the rest of the season. Yeah, if you win, if now, right, you bench Ginola, you bench Shearer, you bench Les Ferdinand, like, Philippe Albert doesn't get anywhere near the team, but you you win the league at the end of the season by playing dire football, every Newcastle fan would have snapped your hand off at the time. Now, you, you kind of think, because there's this sort of aura around them, and as they rightly should be, I think they're probably one of the best, almost... Well, they are one of the most entertaining Premier League teams ever and probably one of the best teams not to win anything. Now it's kind of like you get that warm feeling about looking back at all those goals that were scored and and, and Shearer and Ferdinand together. Keegan. And, and Keegan. <laughs> but in a, like, at the end of the day, it wasn't... You know, you don't... You can't... They're not Premier League winners. Yeah. And it's painful. It's an interesting conversation to have in a Huddersfield context because... Everything's going really well at the minute and you, you couldn't wish for anything different at the club because from chairman down, it's fantastic. There is literally nothing you could wish to change apart from a right back. <laughs> um, but there is and there will come a time this season in the Premier League where there'll be a rough patch. Everyone has one, whether you're champions of the Premier League or finish dead last, you have a rough patch at some stage. And it will be interesting to see how the reaction is when that rough patch comes and whether or not people start to not go against but start to have doubts about this style of football and this ideology of being on the front foot and trying to win matches. And if they do start asking for maybe one or two more defensive midfielders, maybe not playing as many wingers attacking and dropping people back, it'll be... A strange paradigm shift when it does happen, but there will be one or two that, that say something like that. Do you not think that's a, that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility in every football club. If you know, <laughs> it happens every every season that a team goes on a run, and if the run's long enough, they'll sack the manager because the fans inevitably turn. But for Huddersfield Town, what David Wagner achieved last season was more than anyone could have imagined. Um, Dean Oyl said at the start of the season that no matter where town finish, he's going to have a job. And that, for me, is absolutely right. Because this, as I think I keep saying, this is a free season for Huddersfield Town. This is, you know, wherever they finish this season, it will be higher than they thought they would finish this season two seasons ago. So it's it's just one of those things where town are in a weird position that they have absolutely no pressure on them to stay in the league. Because... They've already got this this cash boost. They're going to get parachute payments the next three years. So whatever happens, they're going to end up in a better state than they were in last year. So it's kind of weird. And I, I, we talk about going on on sort of patches of form. I think the fixtures this year as well will help Town because they've fallen sort of in gluts, really. So this the opening, obviously, Crystal Palace, Newcastle United... Southampton, West Ham, all winnable games. Leicester, to a certain extent, winnable. Burnley away will be a tough place to go, but again, a winnable fixture. Then there's a, a tough run where you play 
Tottenham, there's a game against Swansea in there, but then United, Liverpool, maybe three losses there, but then you, you get back into West Brom, Bournemouth before having to play City and Arsenal. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, because you're not playing weak team, strong team, weak team, I say weak team, there's no weak team in the Premier League, but sort of a, well, a there lower, is Newcastle. Well, yeah, there is Newcastle. A lower team and then a top six team, because they're not playing, sort of changing week after week, they can build confidence with the runs of games that they have. And although their confidence might be shot after playing three strong teams in a row, at least then you've got three less strong teams in a row to be able to pick your confidence back up and maybe, you know, win, draw, uh, sorry, loss, draw, win when you pick your confidence back up. That's four points from three games. If you keep doing that through the season, you're probably going to pick up enough. I think almost in a perverse manner, the manner in which um, town play football under Wagner, they'll probably match up better with the bigger sides in terms of style than they will with the, the lesser sides. And that's borne out in what's going to happen this weekend because town are better when in transition. Transition's their big mm-hmm. positive. As soon as they win the ball, each and every person on that field knows what they have to do to get the ball in the back of the net in the least amount of time possible. That's what this team is built to do and that is what makes Wagner the happiest is is when that happens. They won't get given that space or the opportunity to do that against teams who will sit back and defend against them. Teams like Bournemouth will be fine against because they want to play football. Even a team like Tottenham maybe will want to play football against them and all the top teams will. However, West Broms of the world, Newcastle with Rafa Benitez... Um, West Ham even they're just going to come and sit and give Huddersfield the ball and that's where last season Town struggled the most there was that weird run where they scored all those goals in 90 odd minutes after (laughs) the final whistle probably should have gone but they really should have been two or three up by that point just given the flow of the game and it's something that they're going to have to get used to as more and more teams cotton on to how well they play, especially having seen what they did to Crystal Palace when given half a sniff. It could have been more as well. There's there's a, a learning curve still to come where that's that's um, yeah concerned. yeah absolutely. But that's for me that that's what makes this weekend's game more interesting. To be honest, I would have quite liked to have seen Newcastle full strength against Huddersfield Town full strength. Um, because I think it's perfectly set up. Because last season, at the first, was it the second game of the season where Huddersfield went to Newcastle? And I think Benitez thought, oh, we can play football against this lot, sort of thing. And they tried to do it and ended up getting beat 2 1. But then he learned, Rafa learned lessons from there. When they came to Huddersfield, they played a completely different style of football and won 3 1. For me, David Wagner is now going to have learnt from that game, which is why it tees it up perfectly for this one, because they've both learnt how each other can play in sort of different styles, maybe. Yeah. So now it's going to be, it's very much two superb managers going head-to-head and who can set up their team better. Because I think, although Town have added to the squad and I think they've probably got, they edge it maybe on quality with Shelby not in the Newcastle team, I think it's, it's going to be pretty even. So it kind of comes down to the managers and it comes down to the style that they want to play. And it, it's, it's just a fascinating game. For me, to call it now, it's it's going to be tough because Newcastle sit 
and try and hit on the counter. Town will play their football and they'll they'll know the weaknesses of Newcastle now, especially with the defenders out and Shelby not there to be able, you know, Shelby's the one that changes it. He's the transition man for Newcastle. He's if I ask thing. you about John Joe Shelby, he, again, he's a player we've had arguments about in the office. I think he's bang average, purely because I don't think he has the temperament of the necessary brain to run a team in the manner that he needs to for Newcastle because that's his job. Piping 50-yard balls every five minutes and two of them coming off and looking pretty doesn't make a good footballer. How highly do you rate him? And if you were given a choice between having Shelby in the team or Aaron Moy, who do you pick? It's a good question, but I think they're different players. But they play the same sort of position. They'd occupy the same space. Yeah, but they have, it would they be have an, different attributes. In it would terms be of an sh- unbalanced sh- side if they're in the same team. I don't know if... I don't know if it would be unbalanced. Because it, you would, I thought last week when Moy and Billing played together, that might be slightly unbalanced and there might not be too but much. there was a clear hierarchy there. If Moy was the primary ball player and mm. Billing was the subordinate and he was happy to do that because he got to play... Yeah, but still, Aaron Moy, maybe there was two or three sort of long-range passes that Aaron Moy made, not, not counting crosses. I think if if Moy and Shelby played together in the centre of midfield, Shelby would play a more withdrawn role, and he'd be you know looking for the the thirty forty yard passes like he does for Newcastle, and Moy would be given more of a license to sort of buzz around him and make things happen going forward a bit more. Um, but if you had to make a straight <sighs> choice between the two, it's a tough one because you talk about temperament as well. Aaron Moy is. You know, he gives you consistent performances throughout the season as he did last year. John Joe Shelby doesn't for me. John Joe Shelby, I think John Joe Shelby is better than you give him credit for. I think he is overrated by few by a few people as well. Um, it's neck and neck for me. It's it really is neck and neck. I, it's a clear choice, in my opinion. It's obviously a clear choice who I would pick. But it's interesting to hear your opinion. If I asked you the the same question about. Wagner and Benitez who would you rather in your dugout of the team you supported (laughs) well I'm always going to say Rafa Benitez to that question really well I I feel like I have to (laughs) uh, Rafa is it's it's a strange one for me because as it's almost as if your heart says Rafa and your head knows it's actually Wagner yeah probably but (laughs) well I don't know because again they're so different in that David Wagner I think if he came in he would do a really good job but I think there's quite a lot of big egos at Newcastle which there probably isn't at, at Huddersfield Town and I think that would take a lot of changing um, which I, I don't know David Wagner might be able to do it His man management's been superb at, at Town there's nothing to suggest Yeah that. exactly but I think when he went into Town there wasn't that many big egos because town they knew where they came from whereas Newcastle there's quite a lot of sort of Hollywood players um, do you not think almost being slapped down and put in the place is maybe what they need yes possibly but then <laughs> but then you, you run the risk of of upsetting the players and as we said before the players hold way way too much power are um, the Newcastle players too good to be upset what do you mean I mean are they the sort of players who given their quality, deserve to be pandered to? 
No. So I don't see any trouble with going in and ruffling a few feathers if if that's what it needs. Yeah, but if you go in and ruffle a few feathers, we've seen what happened with Chelsea, haven't we? And the performances aren't there. So I, I think I think Benitez has done a great job at Newcastle. Um, you know, because we, we, they were destined to go down that season, and he brought them back up as champions. You know, and it, and he's the amount of stuff that he's won over his career. He's he's a proven winner, um, and I think quite a lot, a lot of Premier League teams would take him as their manager, um, and a lot of the best teams in Europe have taken him as their manager. David Wagner is on is on the way to becoming that that's that caliber of manager and I think after Huddersfield Town no matter what happens this season he will go I'm not saying at the end of this season but in the future he will go on to great things yeah um, he's only done great things but he will there'll be there's a higher level of football to yeah exactly um, to step into. and I think I think you know if you had either of them at your club you'd be happy so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose. <laughs> I wouldn't choose either one over the other. But I would be extremely happy with either of them at your club. That's a very political answer, but I'll let you have it. Uh, as a politics graduate, I shouldn't be surprised. Um, what be your score prediction for the game? I think. I think town. I mind two 0 I think it's a comfy two 0 win for yeah, town. Yeah, I, I from last week what I saw and with Shelby out, I'll go for a town win two one. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, depending on the style of football that Newcastle play. Yeah, I wrote this in the tactical preview as well. But I think the longer it's nil nil, the more likely Newcastle get to getting a draw because they'll just go deeper and deeper the longer the time goes on. Yeah. Whereas if you score early, you're forced to draw them out and that's where you might get some more joy. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, so that yeah. be an interesting one. Though. And the other benefit compared to last season is playing against the deep tier side isn't as easy with a small, nippy striker like Wells because he's got no space to run in behind Tut. Mm. But if you've got Mooney to knock yeah. balls in towards and he's going to head air out of them, then... You know, he might have a field day again. Um, but no, that's an interesting conversation. I'm glad we, we had it. I'm sure um, the next time Newcastle and, and Huddersfield play each other, we can renew this uh, yeah, this beef. Yeah. See, if we, <laughs> see if we can squash it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's all for this week. We need to quickly note, um, over the next two weeks, I'm on annual leave for most of it, but I am in the office a couple of days. So um, over the next few weeks... Two weeks specifically, there's only one podcast a week, so it'll be Thursday next week and then the following Tuesday rather than Mondays and Thursdays. So we'll pack in as much to those one shows as possible, but it'll still be us two here um, doing as much as we can with the time we have. Um, just in case anyone wondered why they weren't being as uploaded as frequently. Um, but yeah, just remember the Beer 52 offer, Code Huddersfield, Free beers, £5.95 or something. £24 is what you usually have to pay, but you don't this time around. I will speak to you on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. I'll tell you how the beers are. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij Mijn Sim Only. Voor 12,50 per maand, onbeperkte minuten of sms'jes en 3500 MB 4G internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl.